Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with Janelle and Leslie. I'm Janelle Cameron. Hi there, I'm Leslie Pearson. And today we are going to talk all about buying your first investment property. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team, the podcast that helps make your real estate dreams a reality. The Janelle Cameron team is your expert source for all things real estate in the greater Toronto area. Whether you're considering a renovation to improve your return on investment, looking at homes for the very first time, or even considering becoming an agent yourself, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, hope you are doing well and uh, welcome back. How's it going, Leslie? Hi, um, it's going all right, considering we're uh, a week from the snowstorm of the century. Yeah. Still um, <laughs> yeah. struggling out. to get around a bit. It's surprising to me yeah. a week later how long it's taken some parts of the city to... Yeah. Uh, um, my street is normally um, one of the first streets in our neighborhood to be plowed, and I don't know if that's because we're on the street with a fire station or it's because we're near a school. But this year, no. Yeah. And I keep watching. There's three cars that... I don't think they're getting out until April. My God, they're still there? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Totally covered in icy, Holy. you know, crap. It's not wow. snow anymore. It's uh, And, you know, I'm sure their batteries are dead. It's uh, three oh cars. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah. Well, I can believe yesterday I was driving. I was going to the Scarborough Town Center. I was driving up Brimley. Mm-hmm. And they haven't even shoveled the sidewalks. So there are people walking on Brimley. Oh, because they can't walk on the sidewalks. I saw like oh, an awful. old an old woman with a walker. Okay, on the middle of Brimley. <laughs> that's awful. Terrible. And then we saw the same thing yesterday on Kingston Road, like out in Scarborough. They, you'd think the major streets would have been yeah would have been cleared. I for, know. I got woken up last night um, at four o'clock this morning by um, flowers. I think they must have been on Mount Pleasant. Oh, okay. I could hear it. nobody else in my family heard them, but I get woken yeah, up yeah, by yeah. everything, and so yeah. I didn't check out my. Pl- I think so. I think they're starting. Around where I live, yeah. But I are hope those so, businesses, or regardless, there's you know rules about shoveling yeah. the sidewalk in front of your property. Well, now we're getting <laughs> ten more centimeters today, so it sounds like it could be. I don't even know. Mm. We have to call the army. <laughs> I think we're there. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you wonder, and I think sellers wonder, buyers wonder, what impact weather has. And sometimes I say, you know, it might dissuade some people from participating in the offer day or something like that. But I don't think we saw that this week. No, I think back in the day when you used to have to show up, yeah. it was different. But now you do it all from home. It yeah. doesn't matter. So the few that I were kind of interested in this uh, this past week I'm watching, they, they all went crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it did. I did just have a client now say to me, "I don't really want to go tonight." So maybe, and you know, I was going to say on this topic, you know what I saw yesterday? Um, I got an email. Uh, you know, we uh, when there's um, offer date, often the listing instruction will the li- listing agent will sell out instructions on how to prepare your offer and kind of the logistics about submitting it. Yesterday, for the first time in maybe two years, I saw we will be uh, reviewing offers in person at our office. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. No, that's shocking. I'm not yeah. sure I would even... Yeah, I'm not well, participating we weren't in that. Participating, no, but um, for sure, yeah, that wow. blew me away. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I didn't think. I mean, so the change there, the shift came because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking we would never go back. 
well, restaurants even open aren't yeah. even open. Well, Why would I go and meet in of an of office? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is no point. There's mm-hmm. no point at all. Yeah, no, anyway, I'm done with those days. For the first time. Yeah. There's some things I don't think uh, in terms of real estate we'll ever go back to. It, mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of them for I most people. I would have thought people. so. Yeah, I was yeah. so sad. No, I didn't pursue it because I didn't care. But Yeah, like mm-hmm. 95% of people probably wouldn't do that. No. Uh, also, you know, the, the question of whether open houses will ever continue yeah. is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're permanently, I mean, they're, oh my gosh, I cannot talk today. They're currently on hold. Yeah. But they are going to be allowed again when the restrictions are easing up. But would you ever? Well, even when they were allowed just people weren't really doing them were they no no Mm -hmm. no i think if you have if you're a new agent Mm -hmm. and you really you know it's a good way to pick up potential buyers so Mm -hmm. i guess but it's not for the seller right so i think covid has really shown that it isn't a tactic for sellers. no no i often thought think that you know anything to increase visibility and provide accessibility to a property that's for sale is a good thing to do and often i used to find that um, agents would see a property with their client and then say you know i'm doing my own open house or i'm busy on the weekend go back and see it yourself during the open house so i thought there was value to that yeah but i don't even know if that exists yeah i don't think so i think it's i don't know Mainly because I just don't want to do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm happy for other... I mean, I'm mm-hmm. happy to host them if other people want to do them. But it's mm-hmm. really not for the seller, let's face it. No. Um, yeah, so we'll just have to see. Lots of changes to come. I'll tell you one thing, just as, as an aside, is I do feel some days like I would like to, you know, write a big letter to Rico and explain all the changes I would like to make during this ridiculous buying frenzy that we have right now and the number one thing would be for me if you set an offer date please stick to the offer date it drives me crazy that 90 percent of the people that offers will be submitted next tuesday oops we have bully offer it's like why bother then like who are you kidding mm-hmm. don't you know you're going to get the bully offer so why do you put it in the offer mm-hmm. that you're like either do or don't yeah like don't run scared i agree with you in practicality, how we see it play out. But I do think underlying the business is that, uh, I don't know if this is going to come out right, but sellers have the right to do whatever they want to do. But that's, I think, your job, mm-hmm. not you, right. but our job as, as agents is to explain the options yeah, and to manage, them. Yeah, manage the situation. Yeah. And if things are not looking good for you and you're starting to feel panicky about it, then your agent should have told you that's yeah. likely to happen. Yeah. And if you are not feeling panicky and the, and it's just so busy, then why would you ever do it? It is completely the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Like in all ways, mm-hmm. you're eliminating such a huge amount of people and a potential number of offers that people just don't even have the time to get out and see it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't, I don't like it. it either. But it wouldn't be my not, number one thing. No, yeah, um, would be my number one. I do, you know, related to that. Um, I think I'm okay with a seller changing their mind on anything. I think I am. Um, but the rule we have in place currently is that the li- if that if something like that's going to happen, the listing agent is supposed to notify all parties that have expressed an interest. Mm-hmm. And what we've come to define expressing an interest in is um, booking an appointment. Yeah. Right? And right. what I'm finding now is they're not. I had two this weekend that um, 
they had set offer dates and then they decided to look at, at offers before those dates and I never got any notification. Right. That, right. you know, so I have a problem with not following the rules. Yeah. Well, it might be stupid, but it's the rule. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a problem with that seller having changed his mind. But, yeah. So I just, in both those cases, yeah, it's weird. We can talk about the technicalities later. But, yeah. Um, you I know, just think it's, I you have to be fair to all prospective buyers, to all Agents, I think it ha- the process is not fair. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the complaints that people have about the system is that it's not fair. And I would just like to see some fairness brought back. And I think, for example, having an offer date and sticking to it so people have the opportunity to see your bloody house is fair. It's fair to all parties. You're still going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Your buyers are going to, you know, potential buyers are going to get what they want. I mean, it's just, it's just not right for people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sometimes you just can't get out. I mean, there are, there are places I've seen, all the ones I've been interested in seeing this week have all sold within 12, 15 hours. And I just, Sorry. I can't get out on the same day. Yeah. You know, maybe we were planning to go the next day. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, they come out at 10 and they're sold by six. Yeah, I agree. It's not a great it's situation. It's not fair. It's I, not fair. I don't know if it's, I even think it's unfair. Mm. I think it's too bad, too sad. Oh, I uh, don't. You see a listing you like, get out that day. Yeah. Uh, if you can't, you're not in the market. I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely not my opinion, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it is what it is at the moment. So we either go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of changes I know that people want to be made and whether or not we can try to yeah. See, implement I, I some of that. buyers then. now, who, and we have this conversation, so they are able to fly at the flip of a switch and see a property right away and so their view is we're able to do that that's the game that's what's happening now why wouldn't we want to submit an offer a strong offer right now rather than letting 80 more people see it because the bully never wins ever i tell them that yeah Um, i tell them that and uh, you know that's statistically true um, and so that's why we haven't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I say there, well, it, it cuts out 80 people seeing it. I get that. And um, Sure, but then don't set an offer date. Right. No, but I mean as a buyer. I get right. that. I get you wanting to do that. Yeah. You know, cut out 80 people. Oh, I, I understand so why the, people do yeah. it. Although I think, it's just, I think it's not the right move. I understand that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know. So if I were a buyer... Um, despite the statistic that the, the preemptor is often not successful, I think I'd be wanting to do it too. Yeah. Why delay just to be fair to those other 80 people? It's not my problem. You can't get out on the first day. No. No, I think it's... The only thing... The other, so I, the would, I things, wouldn't recommend that, though. The two things I tell them that are that statistically the person who preempts is not successful. And also, I think it means you... There's a good chance you're paying more than you would otherwise pay. Mm-hmm. But if you're okay with those two things, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I I'm not even, I'm not sure I have as much of an issue of it on that with that side. I'm but just yeah, having the issue one. on the other side. Yeah, I just yeah. I feel like if you say something, you should just follow it up. Yeah, you say one thing, you should just do that thing. I I think that's where I have the problem. Is I have a more of a, more of a problem with that kind of. Uh, reaction to listing something at nine ninety nine and really it's worth one six. Mm-hmm. That falls into the same category for me. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're saying one thing, and so there, there's that throughout our whole business. And I have a more of I have more of a problem with that. Mm-hmm. 
I Maybe think. it's also part I've of the same thing, I guess. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, like I said, I think a lot of people are trying to make changes, you know, to make the system the one more thing fair I know for everybody. Is the government changes to, to try and make the system more fair or, you know, um, create more of a balance between supply and demand. None of the, nothing that they're going to do makes sense. Not unless they start easing off some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the fees. Yeah. You know, drop our land transfer tax. That might help get people moving, right? Otherwise, people are like, I don't want to pay that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And they I, can't, yeah, there's nothing for them to buy anyway, so why would they sell? Yeah. Crazy times. Well, this is not what we were going to talk no, about we're today. No, we were going to talk about. We've talked for 12 about. minutes about <laughs> nothing, well. About the rules we'd like to change. If only we had a, we should, we should run for the board. No. <laughs> um, okay, so... We're going to talk today, though, a little bit about buying your first investment property, because despite all of this chaos, we do have a lot of people interested in buying investment properties. Mm -hmm. And I thought we would focus specifically today on what the steps are that you need to do if you're going to buy your first investment property. Good idea. So let's just start from the beginning. Number one, and this is obviously very important, but you need to know your budget. You need to talk to a lender. Uh, A lot of people, I get a lot of calls from people who want to buy an investment property and they don't even know whether they're able to qualify. They don't know how much down payment they need. They don't know anything about it. They just want to start shopping without, well, I own a, my house is worth 1.5 million, so it should be fine. Uh, But it's not about that. It's about your income. It's about your debt. It's about all those different things. And so they need to know all of that when determining how much you can afford to buy is an investment property. Mm-hmm. Now, the rule of thumb for most people in Canada is that you need 20% down in order to buy an investment property. And you can't borrow that money, right? So you can't borrow it from <clears throat> the bank for the 20% and then put that down. You need to have that money in cash. And so, um, you know, 20 or 25%, depending on your situation, but very rarely, if ever, have I seen it ever less than 20%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to know that you have that cash sitting around. And once you have that, then you can kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there are more um, stringent rules around. Yeah buying an investment property That's than right. buying your residential. Yeah. And they're going to look at what kind of investment property you're planning to buy and how the rent will offset that. And when they're determining, you know, a value for you, what you can afford, they're going to look at things like rental vacancy rates, right? Where they put in a percentage of, uh, of rental vacancy into the equation to say, okay, well, if it's not rented for six months or eight months, can you? What can you afford? Because um, that's the reality, right? It's especially with rentals, they go up, they go down. You may have a period of time where you don't have a renter in there. You know. So, um, because of that, do you think that's why it's especially a good time now? I think it depends. Like when things were really good, and I I bought that one place in Windsor, I couldn't get a tenant for one of the units like for I think it was empty for seven months oh so you know that's a long time if you are counting on that income mm-hmm. or that rent to mm-hmm. pay the mortgage yeah so that's really important I mean it all sounds good um, and it is but you have to make sure that you can afford to carry the thing right if you don't have any money coming in mm-hmm. 
Um, and, it, you know, you can make a lot of money owning investment properties. Mm. But at the same time, if it was easy money, everybody would do it. And everybody doesn't do it. And there's a reason. There are risks, just like every investment. And I think, you know, that's one of them, not having a renter in there. So mm. looking at all of that combined, you know, the bank kind of comes up with a number for you. Yeah. I think you can afford $500,000, uh, assuming the rent is going to be X and... You know, once you know your budget, you can start to kind of do more research about what next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say your next step is really, you know, figuring out whether you want a house or you want a condo because that's important. Because right. a lot of people um, that come to me who want an investment property are looking for a condo. Right. Uh, and my advice is usually, you know, that's okay, but because it's less maintenance, I understand why people want a condo. They don't have to do any work, but you have to at the same time think about, you know, maintenance fees and different things like that. Um, and is it better for you to buy a house right. instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can, you know, you can do a house, you can do um, within a house, you know, multiple units within a house, right. one unit, or you can do a condo. <clears throat> because we're talking about your first investment property, I'm going to assume that most people are either looking at, you know, a small condo or they're looking at a small house with one or two units. We're not talking about people who are buying multiplexes right Right. off the hop. Mm -hmm. I agree. Right. So, you know, depending on on the advice of your realtor or other people in your life, you will determine what's best for you. Um, I've said this on this podcast many times. I think owning more than one unit in a house is key. Right. It's got to help your... Being cash flow positive, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so if you lose one mm-hmm. renter, mm-hmm. then you always have the other right. one to help. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that's always a better scenario if it's you can bu- do it. Yeah, buying a property with more than one rental space. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. But then you likely pay more taxes. Sometimes, and you have to think about whether or not they're legal units, right? right? So let's face it, most of the rental units, especially in basements, are not legal. They're not officially legal. Most. Mm-hmm. I think the statistic is it's well over 90%. So what are your thoughts on that, on buying a place that has a... I think you just, you know, the practical side of me and the legal side of me would say two different things. But um, sure, if you can get a legal unit, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of them are not legal. Mm-hmm. Most are not. So, you know, can you legalize it? Often it's cost prohibitive to, to Sometimes, do that, isn't it? yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I'll give you an example. I have uh, that one place in Windsor, same one that, mm-hmm. that I was just talking about. And I, it has two units. They're not legal. And the city, the upper tenant, who's been a, evidently a problem with many things ever since they moved in, mm-hmm complained to the city. The city came, said it's not legal, made, made the basement tenant leave. Okay. And so I now have bought a two-unit dwelling that I can only rent out as one unit. Right. So I will be losing $1,000 a month on that unit or 1100 or whatever I was getting. So all it takes is for someone to notify the municipality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me to retrofit that place right. looks like about $30,000. So you know, if I'm missing a thousand dollars a month, is it really worth? It was gonna, you know, it's gonna take me two or three years to get that money back. So I haven't determined yet how I'm going to proceed with that. So now this person who complained, who is a difficult person, gets a whole house to herself. 
No, they don't get any more than they had. Um, So when they move out, which will be at some point, then I can rent the whole house out. Yeah, for more. For more. Still not going to offset the second Mm -hmm. unit. So, you know, I'm kind of at that window where I need to determine, Mm -hmm. is it better for me to spend the money to retrofit or not? to me, at least anecdotally, and I'm not in the same position as you, it sounds like that doesn't happen that often. And that that might be an an, anomaly. Yeah. That the, the cities generally are supporting how, all kinds of housing opportunities yeah. And, yeah. and are not really putting a big push on the existence of illegal units. No, and I think I see both sides of it because obviously they want to free up, you know, housing for people and, and all of those things at the same time. You know, it only takes one fire or one accident or something like that in a in a illegal dwelling in order for the city to take notice. And I think that's what's happened with the city of Windsor. So they are very cautious and really cracking down on illegal second units. And some places are just a lot more easier, a lot more easy to retrofit than others. Right. So it's essentially buyer beware. It's a little bit buyer beware. Know that you might be buying something that has some illegal space. And if you know that, knowing what the worst case scenario is, go into it with your eyes open. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Worst case scenario is you you're, don't have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know. Or something happens. Or something like happens. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you're looking for a legal unit, it will state it very clearly on the listing. Yeah, because it's such an advantage, and they're not very common. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, just, a lot more. and just so you know, people, this is just a little bit of a technicality, but when you're looking at a unit and you see the number of kitchens, if it says there are one plus one kitchens, that is going to mean 99.99% of the time that that unit is illegal downstairs is not a legal basement apartment. It has a plus one kitchen, not a legal apartment. If it says it has two kitchens, it could mean either or, but chances are good if it says plus one, it could be a completely self-contained apartment with its own entrance, but it could mean, it will mean if that's the case that it's not legal. Otherwise, it will say two kitchens. Mm -hmm. So that's just important to know because people, you know, when we put people on Prospect matches, what we call, like for people to look at new listings that come out, we have to kind of do two separate ones, one with plus ones and one with twos. Um, and then you make the decision. Mm-hmm. Now, having a condo, you know, is maybe a little easier in some regards for people to own if you're looking for your first investment property because, you know, you don't have that problem. You don't have maintenance uh, in terms of the roof or the furnace or whatever, the windows. Mm-hmm. But you do have maintenance fees, So you really have to crunch the numbers. You know, in my experience, um, there are not very many condos that will be cash flow positive, even neutral, um, if you're putting down probably even 50%. Because by the time you pay fees and the rent you're getting and all of that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just doesn't add up. So Mm -hmm. you've got to really take a hard look at the numbers and figure out what you want. Because you've got, and this kind of goes into my next point, Next step is really determining what is your reasoning for having this this mm-hmm. property. Are you looking for a monthly income or are you just looking for the annual returns? Mm-hmm. You're going to get the same annual return pretty much no matter what you buy and where you buy it. But, you, you know, mean the, um, increase in value. Property value. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your monthly income, you know, you need to be looking at something with multiple doors in order for you to get that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so... Um, 
as you're in your experience as an investor, I would think some combination of both goals is important. Yeah, um, I think that no matter where you buy, to be honest with you, you're going to be making a good annual return. Yeah. Um, but you know, do you also, are you looking for a monthly income? And I think you should be, I I think buying a investment property without getting a monthly income is a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think, you know, netting even is good enough. I think you need to be making a positive, Mm -hmm. you know, has to be, or else why are you doing it? Because Mm -hmm. you're, like I said, you're going to be making the same kind of annual return for the most part anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but it's up to you. Like there are, there are those people out there who just, I just need a condo. I just don't want to do the work of uh, manage a home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, knowing your goals, kind of where that fits into your long-term planning, you know, it's all it's all very important. But if you own four condos or you own four duplexes, obviously you've got now, you know, eight different doors instead of four, and you've got the potential for people coming and going and offsetting that with vacancy and it's a lot easier when you have eight than if you have four. Right. But maybe they both cost the same amount of money to buy. Right. Yeah. Right. And do you have to, uh, when you're starting out, think about what type of tenant you want? And so where and what are they renting? Yeah, I think that's really important too. Like for me, I I'm always do a lot of research about, you know, where property values are rising, but also where rent is rising. Mm-hmm. And that's important because if you are looking at, places that are some areas that are super cheap, um, you know, you may not, the tenants may be lower type of tenants that don't pay very much. And that's a problem too. So yeah, you have to take all of that into consideration, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, and on that note, one of the things I hear a lot from people is that they don't want to own a house because it's a lot of maintenance and a lot of work that they have to do. And so, you know, if you have a condo as an investment property, you don't have to do anything. No. If you have a house, you have to do a lot of maintenance. A lot of us will hire property management. And I think if you're the, you know, that's a great option. You can buy, you can officially buy a house anywhere you want to and never go near it. You have a property manager running it. You don't have to see the property ever. Right. You just have to know that you're going to be paying probably somewhere between 8 to 10%. Is that what it's gone to now? Yeah, mm-hmm. of the but it's still pretty small. Yeah. So, you know, again, if you have two units and you're you have $3,000 coming in, you know, maybe you're only maybe it's only 250, 300 a month for them to manage it. They get the tenants, they manage all the problems, they do all the stuff, you know, if they're you never know the tenants. If your toilet the toilet breaks, the property managers get the call. Yeah, it seems like a good way to go. It does seem like a good way to go unless you want to be really involved. And some people are really worried about saving every extra penny. And so 8% to them is a lot of money. Um, But I'm just telling you that because I think the main argument I hear all the time is, well, I don't, I don't want to live there. I don't want to go there. You know, I, but Windsor, why would you buy a place there? It's like, well, I'm not managing it. I'm just owning it. Like, mm-hmm. They're two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just owning something doesn't mean you actually have to mm-hmm. ever go. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, 
one way an investment purchase is different than a personal use purchase is that it's all about the money, really. It's yes. not about, there's no emotion in it. That's right. And anyway, I've helped people buy properties that they haven't even seen. Yes. They're looking at the numbers on paper. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You'd never do that for a place you were going to live in. No, but I bought two I've never seen. still mm. haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, one time, I remember when, when I bought my first one um, in Ajax, like I remember... Um, that that mindset of going around looking at places, thinking like, "Ooh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't live here." Right. Like, but you oh, got to put just, that out of your head, right? Because who cares what you that's would or right. wouldn't do? And all the time, I kept you almost saying, don't need to go see them. No, mm-hmm. and you, and it's almost detrimental to some degree because you start <laughs> thinking like, "Oh my god," you know, who would live here? Right. Mm-hmm. And our, you know, Kerr and I were going together, and he's so tall that he didn't fit in any of the basements. And I was like, "Wow, nobody's gonna." And then I'm like, "Of course." Someone will. Regular people are going to fit. You just don't mm-hmm. fit. Like So there's all those things you have to really think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're buying something, you have to detach, completely detach. Mm-hmm. And not buying something that's nice, too nice. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get you anywhere. Okay. Right? Because you would think it gets you a lot more rent. It really doesn't. So mm-hmm. if you are looking at, let's say your average, you know, two-bedroom uh, main floor of a house... Um, and let's say, you know, in the suburbs where maybe the average two bedroom place might be, let's say 2,500 a month in its average. Maybe if it's really renovated, maybe you'd get 27. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about that, so this is the argument I have with a lot of people too, like, you know, I have a friend that owns a sixplex in the city, and she said, you know, when people moved out, we'd, we'd renovate. Right. And she said, and then I realized we're spending like 30000 to renovate each unit, and it's going to take me years to get that money back. It doesn't make sense. It's better just to slap some cosmetic, you know, renovations, make sure everything's working well, and, and just get keep them filled, keep them filled. That's, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, these people who over-renovate these investment properties, like there's a few people I've known over the years, just stupid mm-hmm. you know spending all this money renovating hundred 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 fifty thousand dollars getting this place to like a good a good spot and it's done on the misguided feeling that they get so much more rent. yeah and you're really and even if you got five hundred dollars more in rent well how many years is that going to take you to make up for the hundred grand you just spent to do it mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense so um you know it's all about the numbers i guess that's that's what we're mm-hmm. what we have to go back to it's all about the numbers everything has to make financial sense and you never think with your heart mm-hmm. you always have to just think about the numbers mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, the other thing too, uh, everybody is you just have to understand the tax implications, right? So there's a couple of really important things here. Um, obviously, having an investment property, you're claiming that as income for most people. So obviously, added to your annual income from a um, tax perspective, and for most people, that will largely probably be offset by the renovations you do and the vacancy that you have and things like. Um, you know, property management fees and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, your income isn't going to be extreme, but it may add an extra, you know, if you're netting $500 a month, you know, it could be a few extra thousand dollars at the end of the, at the end of the year. So um, you just want to think about that. Uh, Also selling a second property, you will have capital gains tax to pay. So, um, you know, those are just tax implications that you want to consider and maybe chat with your accountant before that happens. And as well as, of course, as your as your mortgage lender, just make sure you understand 
all of the different components of what it looks like if you own something and if you sell it. Mm-hmm. It's all very much worth it, but, mm-hmm. you know. You have to know it. You have to know it. Mm-hmm. Now, the final piece of doing this is you've purchased something. Now you have to get renters. Mm-hmm. And this comes down to, again, you know, option number one, do you want to do it yourself or do you want to have a property manager do it? Um, If you've got somebody managing your property overall, the maintenance of it and everything like that, chances are good they're going to get the renters for you. If you don't have a property management company, you obviously can choose to try to find renters yourself or you can uh, even hire a property manager company just to do the rental piece. Uh, But if you decide that you really want to do this yourself, which I've made that mistake a few times, um, you know, it's it's hard, right? You have to be available for showings. You have to understand renters don't always show up for appointments, even though you've scheduled them. Um, You know, you have to collect all the proper information like any anybody would when they're renting credit reports. You have to really vet these people well. Um, And in the age of the internet and social media, it makes it a little bit easier, I think, to make sure people are who they say they are Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, renters don't always tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's that's unfortunately, we've all been burned, Mm -hmm. um, those of us in the landlord game. So are property managers... Um, also real estate agents? No. Yeah. No. But if you, especially certain cities, like in Toronto, um, most of the rentals will be held, done by realtors. Mm-hmm. But in most other cities, they're not. They're okay. just done by the property. And, you know, mm-hmm. you see the for rent sign, mm-hmm. you know, and then they advertise it all over. They get the people in. The they benefit do. of doing that too, especially, uh, you know, well, I own a place in Hamilton and, and it's, the rental population there is tough. Tough, tough, tough. And so once I hired, and I had a lot of bad experiences, once I hired a property management company, they would say, you know, oh, we got three applications today. We know Bob. We're eliminating him. (laughs) You know, he's been kicked out of three of our units before because they manage all the different properties in the city. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's important, I think, to make sure if you want to be really involved, you can be. But if you don't want to be, it's, I think, sometimes worth paying not mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Makes and then they just, I, I get that. they just put people in there and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since I hired that property management company, I haven't had any turnover in that Hamilton place. Well, that shows you. Prior to that, I was at the landlord and tenant board three times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So for three your... times. Three times and $20,000 in mm-hmm. renovations <laughs> from somebody who completely destroyed it. Wow. And legal fees. And so you're getting all that for your 8 to 10%. Getting all that for my 8% there. Sounds sounds like a no-brainer to me. I I pay it all day long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's well worth it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are just, you know, I I highly, 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 highly encourage everybody out there, everybody, no matter what your age is or where you live, your goal in life should be to buy an investment property. Never mind spending money in the financial markets. Get yourself at least a property. It is just, with the amount of increase we're seeing every year in the property value and in rental values as well. This will be the best thing you ever do for yourself. Um, You know, I told my physiotherapist the other day, cannot afford to buy a house for himself. I said, just get something else. Go buy an investment property that just buy something. It doesn't have to be here. You don't have to live here. Just buy it and start so renting out, start making the money. To continue renting for yourself. I think so. Mm-hmm. Keep your rent your bachelor studio place and doesn't cost you that much and save the money that you've spent that you can't afford anything here to buy. 
you know, go to Niagara or Thunder Bay or where you know Windsor or whatever, and spend the three hundred thousand dollars or three fifty, and you know, you've got ten percent for that, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just start seeing the money coming in. And then years later, you know, maybe in five years or so, you can pull some of that equity out from that property and buy something for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you've got something that, you know, most people your age are never going to have. Right. So we always talk about, uh, you know, getting into the market in any way. So if this is, if that's the only way. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking that with about that with parents of clients that I'm working with now and, he kept using this, um, you got to be able to get in the boat to know how to row. and That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think even in, in a situation like this, he's going to be making an income if he does, if he buys a smart property, that's going to maybe net him $800, $900 a month, maybe even more. And so not only is he investing money in a probably an area that's going to get him minimum 15% a year, but he's also going to be looking at probably an extra $800 a month in income. Like, that is just a smart move. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the smartest move he, someone like him could do. Instead of waiting around, trying to save, Yeah, you know. So there are ways to do that. If you're sitting out there and thinking, I don't have the 20% to do that. Um, yeah, continue renting and buy something, you know hook up with other friends in the same boat. That's right. And buy something. Yep. Um, because together, you can find a group that has 20%. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think form that's... A group. Uh, form, form a group. Form an investment group. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And why not, right? Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have a client who bought a tiny bachelor apartment downtown maybe about a year and a half ago. And she emailed me on the weekend saying she's thinking of... Um, of buying, of uh, renting it out and buying something else. Love it. Yeah, but I said to her, stay there and buy something else. Or, or buy something yeah. else, yeah. Yeah. And she's only, she's in her young, early 20s as well. Um, she's but smart. Why don't you think about staying there for a couple more years yeah. and buy, buy something else? A house in Peterborough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this a is two so smart. Unit house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like it's Could you really, do it? Can you live in that studio for another five, four years? And, and I think you, if, you're, if mm-hmm. your long term goal is to, is to make some money and do something well for yourself, you'll figure out how to make that work, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think it's it's so easy for young people today, and I know I'm stereotyping, but I've seen it sort of in my circles. It's just so easy for them to say they can't afford, they can't afford. Oh, we'll never be able to buy anything. Oh, we can never afford it. But they're spending thousands of dollars a month on online clothing and deliveries and Uber Eats start, and Ubering yeah. all over the city. And, yeah. you know, those little things that that costs so much money. And I yeah. think if if everybody started managing a budget and actually yeah. looked at what they were spending, I think you could find yeah. that extra money every yeah. month pretty and easily. And it's both that and, you know, this is not their parents' time. It's time to start thinking out of the box and thinking of different ways to do things. Exactly. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty much my thoughts on that. Anything to Well, that, I think that's really or? good that we talked about that today because it's an, a new year and... I know that um, the interest in owning an investment property is skyrocketing. Yeah, and as uh, it should be. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good time to hashtag investment goals, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's. I just. I wish I had have started this stuff younger. You know, yeah. I was. I just. No one told me. I just wish I had have known. Well, I haven't even started. Good for you. Yeah, well, you're ahead of. 
most of us. <clears throat> I mean, true, but I mean, imagine, you know, we'd all be, we'd all be in a much better spot if we, if we just listened and learned a little bit and didn't think about, you know, you just thought a little bit longer term because mm-hmm. you're not going to be 20, you know, early 20s like mm-hmm. your clients forever. You're mm-hmm. going to be, mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you're going to be 40 and thinking, oh, I should have done something, right? Yeah, and there's so much in the mindset that goes into people putting up barriers to things like that. So yeah. uh, yeah. we've got to work on that as well. And I'm sitting here looking at, we are now in another snowstorm. Yep, we are, <laughs> which means we should wrap it up and go home. <laughs> okay, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, please follow us so you are getting all of our latest episodes. And um, we always appreciate it, of course. Uh, when you like all of our social media feeds, follow us on social media at the Janelle Cameron team, including YouTube, which we don't have a ton of subscribers yet, but um, follow us there too. And make sure you uh, send this off to other people that you think might be interested as well. And of course, feel free to ask, ask any questions anytime. We're always here. And in the meantime, I wish you a good week and happy real estate. Happy real estate, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team. But more importantly, we hope you feel better informed and enthusiastic about your real estate future. We know buying and selling can be stressful, so let us help. If you're looking for hands-on support in the greater Toronto area, the Janelle Cameron team from Remax Hallmark Realty is ready to assist. Visit JanelleCameron.com. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E Cameron.com or dial 416-486-5588. Join us again next week as we deliver more content to help you reach your real estate dreams.